It's Monday the 22nd of February 2021. My name's Alex Elliott and you're listening to The Week in Iceland, the programme that asks what's been happening in Iceland this week, why it happened and why we should care. I'm joined this week by Zabina Leskopf, Reykjavik City Councillor for Samfilkinkin and Chair of the City's Intercultural Committee. Welcome to you. Thanks for having me. Um, after border restrictions tightened up on Friday, Thorold Vukudnason has this weekend submitted his latest set of recommendations to the Health Minister for further relaxing Covid rules within the country, um, possibly even before the 3rd of March expected deadline. Uh, this week there's been several public debates on well-trodden subjects um, that have risen up again following new input from various different parties, including on whether or not it's important to learn Icelandic and whether or not people moving here are trying hard enough with the language. Um, Another such topic is on pets, uh, specifically dogs in towns and cities, and whether the rules and restrictions in place are out of line with modern life. Then there was the new report highlighting a very significant earnings gap between men and women in in Iceland uh, that's caused people to question yet again exactly how much progress is being made. And the revelation that an anti-prostitution sting has 40 to 50 official suspects again has stimulated debate on the place of prostitution in society and, of course, the rights and welfare of sex workers. In other news, after a law last year, Iceland's first safe injection site could open its doors very soon. Althingi passed its new sexual privacy law. And even more people are in custody over the fatal shooting just over a week ago that police describe as one of the biggest and most complicated cases they've worked on for some years. Where would you like to start? There's plenty there. Uh, there's so much. Um, on a personal note, maybe the the, um, the corona uh, situation. Um, my mother is 82, lives in Germany, of course, and, and had a full first vaccination shot last week. So maybe that was the biggest thing for me. And I think for many immigrants here, worrying about when they can go back home, see their loved ones, and of course, worried about parents. Uh, that's, um, I mean, the development in, with the vaccination and, and, and of course, uh, the good situation we have here. Um, one of my latest... Um, Interest is, is I'm always che- every day I'm checking the number of completed vaccinations, and we're over ten thousand now. And uh, let's hope with the new border restriction we can keep it that way. You're never going to please all of the people all of the time. I think, I think most people are happy that they're able to relax the rules within the country. But the new border rules have proven controversial. Some people think it's way over the top. Um, do you have an opinion on that? Well, it's tricky, but of course it will not um, um, induce people to start traveling here but then we know tourism is not um, going to be what it was anytime soon anyway so um, and I think most of you I think 14 15 European countries have introduced this so I think that's the thing to come there to have to prove some to provide some sort of certification yes I think that's not um, over the top no, I, I personally, I don't either. But the combining of the certification with the double testing and the quarantine is mm. pretty strict. But then, probably rightly so, because, you know, like you say, with the situation within the country is pretty good right now, and, and long may that continue. Yes, exactly. We're doing well. I mean, the, the look at the European map. We're the only green country. And it is um, an incredibly, incredible luxury to to live here and we know how soon it can change into the into a different direction as it did in, in the autumn and and um, again on a on a personal note my we lost our, my father-in-law 
Uh, he was the first one to die in, in the Lundercott um, episode. And we know how quickly it went and that not everyone did comply with the rules that were set and should have kept us safe. Do you feel the tone is a bit different now? I think back in the late summer and the autumn, they were saying, well, yeah, we can do this now and, and hopefully it'll go well, but we do expect another wave. I don't feel that people are saying that now. They're, they're hoping this is the end uh, because of the vaccinations. Yes, yeah. I think people are more positive towards that, that it should be over. Or maybe they just, you know... It's just been too much. I think people are, um, and we've seen we've seen, of course. I mean, that the, these different these changes in 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 attitudes. And in, in the spring, everyone had this huge feeling of we'll do this together. We can do it. And and um, um, and then in the autumn, it it took a while to get into the right gear again. Um, um, and th I think people are just incredibly tired. No one's going to blame them for that. I think it's perfectly natural, yeah. Um, the border testing, just briefly, the border restrictions have tightened up on Friday. Um, quite a few people came through without certificates because they couldn't get them. Um, but and, and they're going to start fining people from, maybe from today. Uh, mm -hmm. So it's interesting. Yeah, they, they said they might start fining. But uh, no one who lives here, and I believe that, that is uh, the case both for whether you have Icelandic citizenship or not. So if you're a resident of Iceland, you will always be allowed to enter the country. They cannot deny you, but you might be fine. But um, I think it's also a tricky thing to, to read these certificates. That's what took them so long. And... Um, well, they say it was like half an hour for each person. Yeah, because it's uh, it must be difficult to be to make sure that it's it's authentic. Yeah. Yep, I don't envy the people working at the airport right now. Um, okay, maybe we should move on to something else. Okay. What would you like to go to next? Um, on a personal level, again, if I have the the choice, the um, the changes we introduced because I worked a lot in that regarding um, regulations keeping pets. Here, here in Reykjavik. Now, you were the one behind this yes. debate over the last week or two, at least, um, with with an article you wrote for Visit. Yes, and I worked for a whole year to to make this, and I talked to lots of organisations. I talked to lots of people at the city because, over the years, it had developed in a very strange way. The, the um, cats were in a different um, area, and dogs, and 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 no one really knew who was responsible for what. It was very um, distributed, and um, I think it's something that has uh, been a bit unique in Iceland because um, when people moved from the countryside to the city, there was this huge gap because all of a sudden people wanted to disassociate themselves from from animals and the the concept of having a pet is of course very different than having you know cows and sheep and and working dogs and and uh, so we're we're a bit behind with um what pets mean to people and and particularly now during the covid um uh during these times people have an incredible need for this closeness for for what a, a pet gives to you so we've been trying to to loosen up the rules we are trying to become a visible better service provider and we've reduced the the fees that people have to uh, to pay for registering a dog by by half 
When you say we, you mean the city council. The city. And yeah. is that something that's been replicated across the country or is uh, sort of Reykjavik taking the lead in this? Uh, we're taking the lead and hope that more will follow, yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when you talk about we, the responsibilities, the things that need to be done, the, the infrastructure around it, what is that? Why is there any infrastructure around this? Why is it necessary? Um, in Iceland, the uh, the laws require of the municipalities a lot, and it's very different from other countries where maybe the police has uh, uh, more responsibilities. The law requires us to run some sort of a shelter. So the law requires us to take care of animals that are found injured or lost. Um, and the law also requires us to provide those with service who might have a complaint. Well, that sounds positive, but a lot of the complaints from dog owners is that it's, I guess, overcomplicated, perhaps doesn't work yeah. properly. So where's the where's the discrepancy there? Yeah, well, we also need to change, and we're changing that now. That's quite true. That is very complicated. You had to show up in an office and prov- provide a lot of paperwork, and we'll make this all electronically and, and much, much easier. And the big change maybe is that you don't, um, have to apply for uh, uh, to be allowed to have a dog. We just say now it is completely allowed. You only have to sign a declaration that you're following the rules and regulation. That's it. Mm-hmm. A huge proportion of dogs in the city are not registered at mm-hmm. all. Um, what's the plan for tackling that? And and do you think maybe? Cutting the fees will help. Presumably that will help. Yes, exactly. Cutting the fees, making it easier, um, putting out more information, what's, what, what you can expect for this money. For example, this includes insurance, which many people don't even know. So they might even double insure their dogs um, and you get a better deal insuring your dog through the city. Um, and also if your dog gets lost and is taken, you would not have to pay any fee. Um, So we're trying to win the trust of dog owners, yes. And Mm -hmm. we have to earn that trust. And that's starting from, uh, as a dog owner myself, that is, and you are, I mean, we're sitting here with your dog right now. Um, It is starting from a pretty low level, that trust, isn't it? Yes, I think so, yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, My dog's 10 years old, and I've I've noticed during that time how attitudes have changed. Um, Mm -hmm. There there, there literally used to be people that would cross the road because they're scared of dogs because there weren't that many, I guess, and there's just a lot of dogs now, and mm-hmm. uh, things are changing. Yeah, and that's why we move also the whole service into the, the family zoo here, because we think with there there are experts who, who know about animals, and you can maybe relate to that, that you get support and help there, and uh, you might call there if you have a problem and talk to them, and uh, they also do uh, offer a lot of uh, um, training and, and workshops for children, and I, I absolutely agree. Many children either are scared of dogs, which is not a good thing, or they are not scared at all, which is not, maybe not a good thing either. Because they, I mean, most of the the dog bites happen when someone goes to to pet a dog, which is uh, um, bound somewhere. Which is, of course, something that I learned as a child is is something you absolutely shouldn't do. Mm. Um. You mentioned things that people don't know. I don't know much about this insurance thing. Um, what are the highlights of the insurance that come with your dog license fee? Well, if your dog runs out on the street and causes an accident, that could um, mean a liability of you know tens of millions of of krona, and that's what uh, what an animal needs to be um, insured against. Mm-hmm. 
the yeah, public liability. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, very briefly, before maybe we should move on, um, what's the feedback been on a personal level to you from your column? From, sorry? from, from the column that you wrote last week? Uh, mostly positive. I mean, I've, I've had some criticism. Some people simply say, oh, you should just completely leave us alone and, and we should not pay any fees. But mostly positive, yes. Mm -hmm. Good. That's some progress then. Yeah. Um, next topic. Um, Icelandic, maybe? Yeah. Um, obviously, this isn't really news. It's been a conversation that's been going on for years. Um, but, but it has been talked about quite a lot, uh, especially in the, in the new Icelandic community in the last week or two uh, what's yeah. some of the highlights it's it's not a new topic no but it uh, there came a wave now which was very special because it got so much attention i mean you might always have had people complaining that someone was speaking english to them and some service provider but uh, people sort of accepted it i think because they knew that the situation was like that you could not find people for all the jobs um, that were there and um, but then a couple of weeks ago, some Icelandic person wrote an article about how she moved to Denmark and um, surprisingly spoke Danish after, of course, having learned it in school for many years. Um, and that sparked a debate that was, I think, felt by many immigrants as being very aggressive. And the tone was aggressive and tone was different. And maybe it's, it's maybe it is because there is more competition for jobs now, and, and the situation is a very different one. I think many people, uh, many immigrants felt attacked. Um, so that uh, I was very unhappy with the tone that was in this debate. But having said that, I am worried about that. We are having, we were developing into a society which is divided into people who speak Icelandic and people who don't speak Icelandic. And that society, again, is, is divided into people who speak good English, and have a lot of access to all sorts of uh, services, but still maybe do not experience themselves as part of the society, mm. uh, see themselves as, as outsider. And then ca that can cause problems and frustration over the years if you, if you get stuck there. And I think it's a bit tricky in Iceland because of the situation, because so many people speak English, there's such a danger that you get stuck there. And it will be okay for a couple of years, but if you do stay, it won't be okay anymore at some point. Um, and then when do you start? Yeah. When do you start learning Icelandic from that point? If you've been here for years anyway. Exactly, exactly. You have established relationships, and and they're working fine, and and it's tricky to start because it's always a challenge when you start speaking a new language. That the first time, that first year, maybe when you really dive in, that's just hard. Um, but there's no way around it. Um, but then, of course, we also have a part of the society who neither speaks good English nor, nor Icelandic. And, and we should, of course, be worried about that, that part. And I think it's the, the change between now and maybe 10, 15 years ago is that we are starting to accept that situation and then think that's wrong. I think we should at least agree on that, that we need to learn Icelandic to, to get into, become part of a society, even if, it, of course, I mean, if you move to, let's say if I'm an Icelandic pilot and move to Dubai, I mean, no one will expect that person to learn Arabic. It won't happen. It's always people who come here temporarily and, and um, 
So you, you can't force people. There needs to be an incentive. And I think that's the, the thing. There, there's no incentive. Um, if you do learn Icelandic and nothing changes for you, then why should you? If no one, if you, 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 your number of Icelandic friends doesn't change, if you don't even get the, the opportunity to have a better job, then why should you? I mean, the incentive, incentive maybe is not is not there. Um, and then, of course, there are a lot of other things that I mean, the the the, um, the variety of courses. I think most people do complain about that. You can take a lot of basic courses, and you can go to university, but there's not much in between. Mm-hmm. And it's it is of course tricky if you um, if you're in a job which does not require to you to speak Icelandic, but you have to work an awful lot because it's a low-income low job. Um, and you have your family. I mean, whenever are you going to find the time? So it's, it's not an easy, easy fix. No, absolutely. Um, finding the time and also the funding for it as well. I mean, because you, you have to pay, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Most people would have access to to uh, uh, get some refund from their union, but um, not everyone, as I said, has has access to good courses. And I think employers should look much more uh, to um, Icelandic at the workplace. I'm looking into that a lot at at the city. What we can do to offer Icelandic in the workplace um, during working hours. I think that's that's the way forward. Mm. And that's pretty self-explanatory in a job where Icelandic would be helpful but as you say some jobs you don't need any language mm. um, and, and, and what's the incentive there for employers to try and help their employees? Well we've seen some some programs um, for some some companies as you said where people are in in, in the work line where like IKEA had a, a, a great program at some time and I'm not sure whether they they've continued that um, where it there was a clear setup. You do that course and you get on, and um, you can move on in in on in the on your career, and also your your wage structures. But um, yeah, that this the the incentive for people who do not uh, need Icelandic in the workplace would of course be for particularly for their children. If if you have a child here, then it should be pretty obvious that you need to have some understanding what's going on. Uh, you need to have a connection to the school, to the learning uh, process. I think many um, immigrant parents, they hear their children speaking some kind of Icelandic and they're completely convinced that their kids are good in Icelandic, but they can't really follow up. They can't really support them. And I think that's maybe um, an opportunity also to reach out to those people and 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 convince them that uh, if you want to live here and if your child um, wants a chat, you want your children to have a chance here for a good future. You need to be with them. Yeah. Do you think? I mean, obviously, this conversation has come up in the last couple of weeks, but do you think generally the picture is changing in the right direction at the moment? No, I think we're a bit stuck. Yeah, I, I get that impression too. And what about the people themselves, the, this choice you say, you can't force anyone to learn Icelandic, but you can put forward the right the reasons that they perhaps should make more of an effort. Uh, do you think that is a problem? Do you think people are motivated enough when they move here? Do you think people want to learn the language generally? 
I think no one moves here saying I'll never learn Icelandic. I would hate to. Yeah, I mean, you don't move to a foreign country being, you know, really closed up and saying I'm, I'm not going to get involved at all. No, I, I don't think anybody does that. So maybe the most important thing is that first, that level one course and making it happen within the first few weeks in the country instead of waiting a year. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Anything else to add, or should we move on? So let's move on. There's so much to cover. This is true. You choose. Maybe the next one. Oh, no. <laughs> um, where were we? So we... The Icelandic borders. What about the wage gap report? Yeah. Uh, because that came a little bit as a surprise. It, people weren't... Uh, it, the, the publishing of the report wasn't publicised, and it came from pretty high up. It's from the, from the government. And it shows a massive... Uh, earnings gap. It's important to say earnings gap, not exactly. wage gap. Exactly. Um, and mm -hmm. yeah, mm -hmm. what are some of the details that you took from that? Uh, exactly, that's the, the important point. It's it's an earnings gap. It's not a, a, a wage gap, and we are not seeing yet what really comes out of this whole certification of of the what's it called the gender equality equal equal pay certification that was introduced. <clears throat> a couple of years, 2017, if I remember right. Um, we're not seeing really results from that. I mean, some, some companies get cert certified, but we have not seen an overview of that. So we don't know what's happening there. But this is the total earnings. So it would also include extra jobs, and it also includes um, <clears throat> overtime. And that, I think, goes a long way to explaining that the um, the size of this um, uh, earnings gap that men have much more access to extra work, and uh, as often has been said, that women are still much more responsible for the unpaid work at home, while men have more access to over to either extra jobs or working overtime. I think that is the the um, and um, the the explanation behind that. And then maybe in in connection with a debate we had not so long ago about the changes in in paternity leave, um, <clears throat> where it was very much debated whether the choice should be more uh, the parents how they divide these months they can take, and a lot of. Um, particularly also young women argued, we want to have that choice. Um, I want to stay longer at home than, than my partner. Um, but that, of course, means that this gap will increase because women stay at home long, because we know if, if the choice is completely open, then it's usually the mother that takes the longer or, or the whole um, um, leave. And, and that means that that gap is widening. And the, the report also looked into education and location as well, and it seemed that perhaps the problem was more pronounced outside of the city. Um, and it showed that, what was it? Um, the, the, 23% there and 25 or 26, 7, 8 um, here in the city. Yeah, that, that maybe is also, maybe there are, well, I'm not sure, less opportunities yeah, for career development. Maybe, yeah. Or it could just be fish. I mean, fishermen earn a lot of money. Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah, there's yeah. more men at yeah. sea. Absolutely, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but the education side of it, is, I suppose that could also be the same sort of thing, the, the sort of jobs people are doing. But it did say that women with a degree in out, outside of the city earn mm -hmm. roughly the same as a man that doesn't have a degree. Mm -hmm. And 
just seeing that in a headline is so dispiriting. Yeah, yeah, it is. Particularly if we look at, we also have a debate that um, um, boys in the education system are not faring as well as girls, and there are more, much more women now uh, at university. Um, but that's the point. There's the the um, that that glass ceiling that. Um, in the first years and, and in BAs and MAs, maybe you have a majority of women, but as soon as you go further, PhDs and professorship, then all of a sudden that, that is reversed. So, uh, yeah, it seems like there are more women entering higher education now, but uh, it's maybe also the choice of career. Um, if we look at, at uh, um, jobs that are predominantly um, occupied by women, teaching, nursing, and so on, that um, they are the lower-paid academic um, positions as well. Yeah. Mm. yeah, and then you compare that to perhaps someone working on a fishing trawler. Yes. Um, <laughs> no one's denying that that's very, very hard no, work, but no. it doesn't require a degree. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so on the face of it, this report was shocking. Mm -hmm. It, the headlines that came out of it, the the huge earnings gap. It was, it, it was everyone was talking about it. But when you, having had the chance to read it a bit closer, how do you feel now? Are you worried? Uh, yes, worried that we're stuck um, again. That there's a bit of feeling that um, we thought, and and uh, that's the the impression you always. Um, give or, or people have particularly looking at Iceland from the outside that this is the gender equality paradise and everything's perfect and we have this equal pay certification that, that should do it, but it's, it doesn't. Mm -hmm. So we have the most advanced tools um, and it's still not enough. Yeah, yeah, that's what, that's the thing that, that worries you, that, that um, we thought we had the solutions um, that should make a difference, but then there are maybe so many things that tick in. As I said, this um, the the overwhelming um, um, well that there's more p that women take more this unpaid this this but both um, for the household children and also providing for elderly relatives and and that is of course always the this unpaid workload that uh, prevents w women both from developing their career and taking extra work over time, yeah. Mm. So you're wondering, yes, if, if we thought we had all the tools, but they're not enough. But then you mentioned that some women themselves, young women as well, want that to some degree, at least mm. the, the, the extra time at home with the young children, and maybe their household earnings are shared equally even though they're not earned equally um, so in, in an individual household the problem isn't necessarily as stark as it seems but mm -hmm. it's the way it's reflected across all of society yeah yeah and that of course means uh, has an impact on on your senior years mm. and um the pension earnings, the pension earnings and um, i mean i'm i'm fine but i also i i move between countries and um uh, but yeah, and I, I was t I took more time off because my husband had a job when we moved here. He had a job anyway. I didn't have one, and I had two small kids. So we we made that choice as well, and I'll pay for that. And just quickly before we run out of time, who are these average people? Um, because I was looking at some of these figures, like the average man earning seven hundred and sixty thousand a month or something, 
I'm thinking, well, that's not me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's quite so high. It yeah, presumably it's, it's it involves all age groups and, yes. and perhaps mm-hmm. the very, very rich who have got large investments, for example, maybe that makes a difference mm-hmm. to the whole figure. I don't know. Yes, yes, I think that that could um, give a wrong impression exactly um, because it's it's total earnings. It's not just the wage you have from your main job. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It could be financial income, whatever. Yeah, assets uh, are really important, mm-hmm. and maybe as the as 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 society catches up with the law changes that you yeah. were talking about, the yeah. equal pay, yeah. maybe women will gather more assets, and maybe the figure will fix itself. Or might, that's far too optimistic of me, isn't it? A bit. <laughs> <laughs> Don't rely on problems to fix themselves. No, no. We need probably more tools then. Well, on that note, I think it's probably a suitable juncture to uh, call it a day however the week in iceland will be back next monday the first of march on roof.as forward slash english roof english on facebook through the roof app and your favorite podcast platform huge thanks to my guest today zabina ledskov and also to lydia gretesdottir for running the technical side of things we finished today with a bit of a random choice from 2015 uh, but one i hope you'll enjoy this is Haim by lockerbie bye for now Verður allt ennþá eins eða fjall.